Hey, welcome back. This is season two of the Performance Physique podcast. If you're joining us on YouTube, this is Friday Night Track Club TV, and we're starting the second season with a guest. We're joined by Phil Taylor, my former training partner, a fitness professional in his own right. Phil and I discuss loads of things around the athlete and the winning mindset. We touch on the last dance as well, and we basically relive our journey as trying to be decathletes several years ago. It's a great episode. It's a brilliant start to season two. Please, please, please take a watch or listen to this podcast all the way through. Remember, you can find us on Instagram, it's performance underscore physique, or on Facebook, just type in performance physique, and please share this message with as many people as possible. I'm a natural tangenter. I like, like well, not that I like to, I just always spin off into other thought processes. <laughs> Welcome to the Performance Physique Podcast. Today, I am being joined by a very special guest, a special friend of mine, Phil Taylor. Phil is joining us, and he is going to be talking about a variety of subjects, including um, our history in decathlon, how he's seen the training um, environment change over several years. It is still a pandemic. So, Phil, first of all, thank you very much for joining us. Hello, sir. Where are you you sat at the moment? You're not in New York, are you? I'm I'm not in New York, no. Uh, Sorry, Alexa just decided to to pop up. Sorry. Um, (laughs) Mine did as well. (laughs) No, uh, no, I'm not in New York. I'm in Bethnal Green. Lovely Bethnal Green. Similar. Very similar, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So um, thank you very much for joining us today, Phil. Um, first, First things first, you're safe, you're well, which is good. You have had coronavirus, though. Uh, that's not official. That's, <laughs> that's just hearsay. You heard, it, you heard it from me, but it's still hearsay. <laughs> it's not official, but you've been unwell, but you're well now, yeah? Yeah, I showed a, a lot of the symptoms. This was like three months ago. Just right, In fact, just before lockdown. Phil is the um, owner and said that weird, didn't I? Phil is the owner and founder of Vital Movement. Um, Phil and I actually went to college way back uh, 15 years ago. Ooh, a long time ago. Yeah, 15 yeah. years ago we, were, we went to college together. We had one short meeting prior to that, which was on a wooden basketball court, um, which would have been before college. Yeah. Oh, you mean when we played uh, Arden versus Tudor Great? <laughs> yeah, we definitely won. Was that the year that we won the Solihull Championship? Yeah, probably. Probably. How many teams were in yeah. the Solihull Championship? At least four. <laughs> so we <laughs> made the quarterfinals. <laughs> we made the semi-finals at least. <laughs> but probably more. No, there must have been must have been six, six or eight. Oh, it's massive then. Can you can you can you, can you name them? I reckon so. I reckon Arden, that's the current holders. <laughs> Tudor Grange, Lighthall, Lode Heath, Alderbrook, and St. Peter's. Yeah, Alderbrook, definitely. Yeah, St. Peter's. Heart of England were definitely. Oh, yeah. Mark? I think, I think we even played the final at Heart of England. 
I love you, the way you're building this up, the final. Yeah, at, the Heart at the Heart of England Stadium. <laughs> you're an international international listener or watcher. It's not like the Heart of England. It's not a major competition or anything. Uh, there must have been there must have been one more team. Seven teams seems a bit odd. There's, like there's Lode Heath School or something? I've already said Lode Heath. I have it. Yeah, okay. We'll take it as seven. Massive tournament. A big tournament where we played on like nine foot rims on like weird wooden flooring in certain schools. Mm. Um, so there's a little bit of a background. Um, after that, Phil and I went to college together, as we said, and stayed in touch. And we're going to talk about this shortly after, but we founded a project. Um, I'd, I'm going to give Phil more credit for this project um, called Green. <laughs> Please don't. <laughs> it's definitely Phil's baby um, called Dream Decathlon. And we will talk about Dream Decathlon shortly. But first of all, Phil, I'd like to hand over to you. Um, give us a background. Give us your origin story because I love that word. My origin story. Oh, yeah, so I was once just uh, walking through a museum and I got bitten by a spider. Uh, and then suddenly <laughs> I could just climb climb up uh, buildings without ladders and things. It was incredible. She webs from my. Still, <laughs> now you know the classy basketball player knows he can dunk, but chooses not to. Oh, <laughs> you choose not to rebound either. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I've just I've always played sport. At school, I played every sport. I used to think it was because I was I felt like I was naturally good at sport. I just like doing things that I like. Uh, that I was good at, but I actually don't think that was true. I think actually, I, I I chose to start playing basketball because I was playing football. I was an okay footballer, but I was never the best footballer. Um, and I just I got bored, and then I played some basketball, and I I wasn't very good at basketball. In fact, I was the worst person on the court. <laughs> uh back when we were 14 15 so and that and that was kind of where i make that made me realize that i actually liked something i wasn't good at and i like things i'm not good at and then i like learning and becoming better at them not amazing but becoming better um so i like starting new things and learning learning what the journey is to get better at them and then doing it getting better and going oh yeah that was pretty good that was a good journey what's what was the next thing that's that's, so that's really, why really interesting I think, that is you, i guess you would um these days they call it a growth mindset which i think i i think i have i'm gonna i'm gonna self-diagnose myself with a growth mindset <laughs> um yeah i just like i just like to know how things how things work how things are done what what it takes to do something i couldn't do before a prime a prime example when i was at university um i just decided i wanted to learn how to handstand for no other reason and I was like, well, how is it even possible that you stand on your hands? Like, I can't do it now. <laughs> how do you even learn to do that? But when you're, a, when you're a baby, you learn to stand on your feet. So it must be a similar process just as a 20-year-old. Wow. So yeah, I, just like, I always like things I don't know and I, don't, um, I can't do. So that I, think, I think that's why I genuinely like playing sport. I like, and obviously, I like getting better at it. When you see the results, like when, I was a, when I was a kid and I was playing football, I must have felt like, oh, this is... I'm getting better at this. I'm now dribbling the ball and shooting and scoring and then followed it because of that. It's when I'm not progressing, I tend to go off things. <laughs> uh, not that I don't feel like I'm succeeding, but actually just progressing. Yeah. So 
so that basically that takes you up to, to university. What did you study at university? Mm. So I studied sports science at University of Leeds. I nice uh, played basketball all the way through. And actually, um, I, in fact, I've probably said this to you at the time. I didn't really know what to study at university. So I just thought I'd choose something that I was like interested in and wanted to learn more of. Um, but really, I wanted to go to university to play um, sport. So I wanted to play, play college ball. <laughs> play play proper college ball yeah so play but I didn't I actually didn't make the team um in the first so we went to trials you do the trials didn't make the team in fact me and Will Will Brown we didn't make the team in trials um which uh I guess I didn't I wasn't we weren't deterred we were like oh we just didn't make the team we weren't good enough and then we just naturally thought well we'll just get better and then we'll just make the team when we when we're better we played for like we went to scrimmage for so they had these open scrimmages for people who weren't on the team. We went to them for two weeks. And then after two weeks, I think I think I threw up an alley to Will uh, when we were playing against some of the team members. And they were just like, ah, oh, yes, uh, you guys should come to practice. <laughs> Classic so ticket. To, yeah. <laughs> I was like, oh, yeah, I didn't even do anything. <laughs> Did you did you um, literally just watch a load of nineties um, hip hop and basketball videos and movies and just like oh that's how they became the popular kid or that's how they got access to the team? I, I yeah I like to think that at trials we were both absolutely awesome, like sick handles shooting was was amazing, but <laughs> the people that were choosing the team just didn't see any dunks, so, so, didn't, <laughs> so, didn't, so, so didn't select us. Um, so yeah, we just we made it in two weeks, and then yeah, I went on to went on to actually be club captain in my final year. I would I wouldn't say I was a, an amazing basketball player. I just yeah, I just love I just love playing, getting better. Enjoy it. Yeah, exactly. I remember exactly. when you were finishing your your third year, and um, we we used to basically always miss each other in Leeds because you're obviously in Leeds and my family lived up there. I would yeah. always try and get in touch with each other when we're free, etc. And I remember in third year, you were getting ready to finish um, or maybe you had a couple of months left. I, I even remember stood looking out of the window of my flat at the time and you basically phoning me and saying, oh, what do you think about personal training then? You know, what would you do setting up your business? All that kind of stuff. So at the time, I was managing a gym and you took it from that point. I distinctly always think this, and now you've just said about your growth mindset, I think that actually completely is your tagline because you took it from setting up a PT business to building a whole kind of fitness concept, really. Vital movement, I think, was more than just having a PT business at the time that you were doing it. The kind of stuff you were trying to do is definitely a little bit ahead. So you leave university, try and get a job, or just think, no, so actually, um, my, my thought process was, um, so I did, I did level two uh, gym instructing at university. Just It was part of, I think, one of our tutorial modules. We had to do courses. So I did that because I, I actually, I think I started going to the gym with you actually before. So I, um, I managed to convince, when I was 15, I managed to convince my dad to buy, uh, buy like a multi-gym. And I, I, went, I, went, I went halves in because we were both going to share it, but he actually never used it. Um, <laughs> and I used it constantly. And I actually, I actually wanted to, to train to what I wanted to get better at basketball. Jump soles. The, 
I never, I never bought jump soles. <laughs> I did Air Alert three. Yes, that was it. I did Air Alert three. I did it. Um, I actually did it for the whole time. I was on holiday in Greece. I remember doing it on a first, like this apartment, this first story apartment. It was like 35 degrees. And I was like, no, I'm going to keep doing this because I don't <laughs> want to stop the training. Uh, I, I think it was really good. I learned why it was really good later on. Um, but I, I, I think it, it really helped me. Yeah. But I actually, yeah, I wanted to get into gym training to get better at basketball. But the only gym books I'd read were all about bodybuilding. So I just thought that gym training was bodybuilding. Yeah. Uh, and that to get better at a sport, it's just gym training. So I made as a 15 year old, I made this connection of like, oh, I need to train in the gym to be better at the sport. And I learned about training in a gym. And everything I learned about red was just all from like bodybuilding. It was all uh, isolating muscles and you need to work this muscle on that muscle. So that's where I started uh, my gym training. But when I got to university, I got really, I got really into it again for my basketball, but it was still just bodybuilding stuff. I threw a few more of the compounds in, um, but still tended to stay away from deadlifts and squats um, because I was playing basketball. So why would I train legs? <laughs> it's actually what, one of the things I used to think. Well, how do you think training, that? I don't remember you thinking that. It was just because I was training, I was playing basketball like, I don't know, five, six times a week. So anything I did in between that, I was going to complement my basketball, but I didn't want it to get in the way of my basketball. So I thought that if I trained legs, it was going to get in the way of me playing and all of my leg training for my, for balancing, balancing my body was going to come from like from basketball. <laughs> that's just how I, that's just how I thought. Um, I didn't spend, I, didn't, I probably went two or three times a week. So it wasn't in the gym a lot. Uh, it was a classic, I'm going to do chest and tries, back and buys and shoulders and then maybe do some abs in there and the fourth session would have been legs but I didn't do a fourth session because I was playing basketball <laughs> oh we missed out we ran out of time yeah. so that was just how I used to think about training um, but yeah I, so I actually did gym level two at university because I had to do it for my course and I liked gym training and when I left university I, I, hadn't, I hadn't got a clue what I was going to do uh, and I wanted to I wanted to work at a gym because I wanted free gym membership <laughs> Best way. That's that's, that's, that the was the only reason. And I was like, okay, well, I can I can work in a gym at level two. That's fine. Uh, I don't mind as long as I can use the gym. Um, and then I found out that I could get level three because I have a degree in sports science. It was just this massive form you have to fill out for reps, um, yeah, one. which actually took me a long time to fill out. So <laughs> I'm glad they I'm glad they they did give it to me in the end. Um, and then I got level three, so I was like, oh well, I may as well go in level three and be a PT. So I went to, yeah, I joined Fitness First and Solihull. Well, I actually, I applied. Um, my first my first interview, in fact, my only interview, that was the first time I ever trained someone. It was the fitness manager that hired me. So it was the first session I'd ever trained, like someone without training with them. I'd never trained huh. anyone before. That was the first time. Um, and then <laughs> afterwards, he was like, yeah, that was, that was great. Uh, come and work here. Uh, yeah, that's, I was like, yes, I got myself a job. And he turns around <laughs> and says, oh, yeah, uh, but you need to pay us four hundred pounds a month to work here. I was like, "What? What do you mean? This isn't that's the most expensive gym membership I've ever heard of." Okay, <laughs> <laughs> I came, I came oh, for, a gym, gym for free free gym membership, and I ended up paying ten times as much. Uh, but no, yeah, it got me into thinking. Okay, well, I'm going to set up a business here. It was actually a very good uh, system that Fitness First had. Um, 
where you, you have a sliding scale. So it was you kind of build your client base up before you start paying. Um, I really appreciate the work that they did. Um, Just to me. confirm, you're not trying to get a fitness first endorsement here or something. Oh, no. No, I just <laughs> generally appreciated the work that they did. I think they actually cared. They actually cared about me as a trainer because I was going to give them money. That's they good. understood that. Whereas a lot of places I went to and spoke to, and even after that, when I was moving to London, uh, it still felt like um, I wasn't I wasn't going to get any help. I just had to go in. If it didn't work, they had so many other PTs waiting, they'd just yeah. bring me in. But fit, it felt like Fitness First understood that if they helped me, I was going to be in there for three months. If I didn't leave, and had to bring someone else in for three months. So it was like a mutually, it felt like a partnership with Fitness First. Oh, that's uh, really good to hear. Yeah, which was good. I enjoyed it. Um, but yeah, that's how I got into PTing. And that's when I started thinking about exercise a bit more than just, oh, well, basketball's legs, uh, <laughs> bodybuilding's upper body. Did, um, did we used to, did you used to come along after Friday night basketball to yeah, the gym yeah, we used to, in Luke? That was my first experience of a proper gym, not just training in my, uh, in my utility room at home. <laughs> I barely remember that, but just as you said, I remember it, two about two sessions, yeah, in that spit and stordust uh, Norman Green gym. Yeah, good times, really good times. Yeah, it was good training. So, so you've had this introduction to um, training fitness. You start your own business, Vital Movement. Um, you're because I wanted a gym membership. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> really wants to kind of dig in that point. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, I remember you going off, I think you set up in Birmingham first, didn't you, before Dream Decathlon started. Is that right? Uh, trying to think of the timelines. Um, no, I don't think so, actually. I think it was very closely tied together. Um, yeah, it was very close. I think Dream Decathlon came first. Yeah. Doesn't matter. Doesn't yeah. matter. So 2012 comes along, um, 2012 London Olympics, obviously in the UK, massive, massive deal. Um, there's a lot of people kind of being posterized for it, particularly Jessica Ennis Hill wasn't Hill at, at that point, but, um, there's a, there's a big emphasis on elite sport. Um, a few of my friends are competing. I remember being sat, um, talking to a friend during the, actually, no, so I remember being sat in the build-up. So I was working at Loughborough University coaching at the time. It's summer just before London 2012. I'm coaching at Loughborough on my lunch break. So I'm sat in my car outside. Um, what building was it? I think it might have been, it makes sense actually to be outside of the high performance center because I remember you phoned me whilst I'm eating my sandwiches. And then like six giants walk past me in GB gear. Um, and it's the bobsleigh team. And I remember thinking, it's really weird that the bobsleigh team are training here during, because it was a holding camp for the Summer Olympics. And I was like, really weird the bobsleigh team are here, unless they've moved bobsleigh to Summer Olympics. But um, And then you go, Arj, um, I've run the numbers. Um, <laughs> I remember thinking, run the numbers. What's he talking about? Run the numbers. Um, what do you think about me or someone um, doing the decathlon? I don't think I even said me at this point. Did you not? Someone. 
I think, yeah, I think there's a possibility of, of it happening. <laughs> Someone doing the decathlon in four years. Uh, like, I don't know, remember my exact words, but it was something along the lines of impossible or that's ridiculous or you're an idiot. I know it's you. <laughs> <laughs> but it was something along yeah. those lines. And then you like, hear me out. And I remember you going through stuff. And me being like, yeah, I really don't think it's possible, but it's interesting. <laughs> um, in fairness, you know, some of the stuff makes sense of what you've just said, um, but uh, maybe. Let's just meet up. And we met up. I remember we went to the high jump bed and we got that photo of you like crashing your neck on the mat, on the bed. Um, and I, I think it was after that, that very first session, me just being like, Hmm. Yeah, yeah, I think I'd like to join in. Yeah, I've just remembered this. Yeah, you weren't on board at all. I remember <laughs> coming to see you. I was like, oh, I just want to, you know, I just want to see, I want to see how difficult all this stuff is because you watch it on TV. But it, obviously, on you watch the athletes doing like this is uh, it's pretty tough. And actually, I just wanted to wanted to feel what yeah what that what what it what it would take to kind of to learn the high jump and learn the long jump and and actually run a hundred meters because I hadn't done that for a long time. Um, yeah, I, I, and that was, that was it. It was like, well, how, how plausible is it in four years? I mean, we now know it's impossible because we well, didn't. Well, it's not impossible. Because we didn't do it, it's impossible. <laughs> <laughs> it's, not, it's not impossible. It was impossible for us to do it, uh, whether that was mindset, bodies, training techniques, whatever we did. Loads, loads of different things. Like life, life gets in the way. I remember thinking that life was probably going to be the biggest thing. I do um, remember you actually stating that after our first year of training for it. I mean, any any athlete, any successful athlete, you see them and they've got like they've got a really stable foundation. Well, from what I know, there's probably lots that, that when they're when they're getting to their they they they've got this direction. They go, yes, I want to be this one person. And everyone around them is like, yeah, okay, this is what it's going to do. And they, like, life is just supporting them into yeah. it, or they choose life to support them. So either we, yeah, our lives didn't mold around it well enough, or I think I just made choices that took me away from it. Um, I think both of us did. I, I definitely, because like to, to, to fill the gaps, I, thinking, oh, I can coach you a couple of areas here. 10-1 session, this seems quite fun, actually. Maybe we should just do this, get quite carried away, and I want to get involved. And then... I st I, yeah, and actually, you know what? We sh I, should, I should talk about my, uh, my thought process here with yeah. why. Because I still... Actually, yeah, it's, I still think it's possible um, in the right circumstances and the right, and the right coaches. I think uh, we probably didn't seek out external help enough because we thought well i particularly thought i knew loads about training mm. um and even at the time i've always been open-minded to training i always knew that i didn't know enough about training but i still wanted to try my techniques out over other other people's tried and tested techniques yeah. it was kind of part of why we were doing it in the first place so i was like yeah. oh well i think i can get there doing this uh it didn't work um or it didn't work fast enough or in the right way but the the thought process was that we were 20, what, 23, 24. 23, yeah. At the time. 
we were obviously super inspired. I was super inspired by watching at 2012. I was like, yeah, that's, that looks good. I want to, I want to get to this level. Uh, this is probably the last chance I can think about getting to this level. I mean, back when, back when I was, and I started playing basketball, you think, oh, you have, I think you have to think about what the top point is. Oh, I want to play in the NBA. Yeah, of course I want to play in the NBA. But I didn't actually think about how I was going to get there and plan out and go, right, well, I'm going to train like this, 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 and this yeah. all the time to get there. It was just like, oh, well, I'd love to play in the NBA, of course. I'm just going to get better. <laughs> but you don't need a plan to play in the NBA. Linear. It just happened because I'm so good. I would just be shooting on my driveway and some guy would drive past in his car, make a phone call and go, yes. I found the next, the next Michael Jordan. <laughs> it's this kid from Solihull on his driveway. That's how I thought it was going to happen. That's uh, another '90s movie, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so I was like, actually, no. Well, this is the best time. I'm going to think right. This I'm going to. We're going to plan it out. Is it possible to do it? I think that if I'd known, if I'd known at 16, that you need to have an eight year plan of like not knowing exactly what you're going to do each day of training, but knowing how much you're going to train and to what specific, uh, thing, then we, I think we would have done it because you spend four years on it as a 16 year old, you become a year 20 years old then, and you're pretty good, but you're not the best or yeah. amazing. It's easier to commit to, but when you're 24 and you spend two years doing something and you get okay at it, you get okay and you get maybe good, I think we became good sprinters. I think you for you de- did <laughs> for, de- for, de- for the Catholics, We became good sprinters. Like we were, yeah. we were, yeah, we became good. Um, and then it was like, right, well, the next two years we've got to become great. Is it possible to do? Not sure. We've got to yeah. commit to the next two years of our lives to do it when we're not sure about. And it means if we do this for two years, it means we're going to miss out on, I don't know, all of these other opportunities that are presented to us and the other opportunities were probably the easier decision to make um uh, but i'm more sensible so we made yeah, yeah yeah I, I do think it it was interesting like what you you've just said there like i look back on it and i think um i would have made a lot of different coaching decisions yeah i i remember writing a one-year periodization and when did I start lecturing? Two years. So two years later, I start lecturing and I'm like preaching the requirement for a four-year annual program. I'm like, two years ago, why did I only write a single year at a time? That makes no sense whatsoever. So that definitely correlates with what you said. Is that, is that, do you think that's because you, you knew it should have been four years, but you didn't want to commit and write a four-year plan? <laughs> Mm, interesting actually maybe maybe we maybe. were kind of just i guess we uh, we were well i was definitely taking a year at a time because we set ourselves that first year we, did, yeah. we were like well we need to hit these targets i think we hit them mostly and we're like ah, oh, well we did this so we must be and we we, we knew we were going to get the newbie games and we hit them and then it was like right the second year we need to hit these targets which is probably when we slipped down injuries yeah. crept in and then well, we realized it's, we it's 18 weren't. months into it isn't it I didn't. I yeah. didn't make any further in eighteen months. Yeah, that's true. Oh yeah, yeah, you're right. Twelve, 12 months nailed those for that first year. I remember thinking, man, actually, Phil's not. I mean, Phil is still an idiot, but Phil's not a complete idiot. <laughs> um, quit my job. Yeah. 
good corporate job, working for the man. And I remember quitting that. And then three months after quitting, rupturing my Achilles, and that was that. And yeah. being like, hmm, it's quite nice driving an Audi and having a phone and <laughs> all of those things. And but, spare change. Yeah. But I, 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 I know you're saying about like some of those things we did wrong and definitely 100% I would have now going back at it, like I look at so many things like I would have mm-hmm. done differently. But one of the principles I think we nailed and we did do right then, I just don't think we necessarily applied those principles enough, was that the, the emphasis we put on to speed and power training. Yeah. We immediately acknowledged that speed here is the most critical thing. Power is, an, is a component of speed. And therefore, how many of these events are going to rely on it? What can we do? Okay, we need to save some time. We're going to do the mile as part of broken mile as our warm up and cool down. And that's how we'll train yeah. for the, the 1500. But it doesn't matter. We don't train for the 1500. We train everything else. Well, I guess and that, that kind of leads nicely into why we chose the decathlon. Because you say you say decathlon, uh, you go right. I'm going to start the. I'm going to start a, a sport from scratch at 24, and I'm going to try and become elite within four years. You'd think, well, choose something that's kind of one dimensional, or not. Focus <laughs> on <laughs> not with ten. It doesn't like initially. It doesn't make sense because you're like, well, you've just given yourself ten ten more yeah. things to work out. But from what you're saying there, actually, you're grouping it up into well, you've just got to be a really fast runner. And you've got to be explosive, which you need to be a fast one. You've got to be explosive. You've got to translate that speed into jumping for at least three of the events. And then when you're throwing, uh, you just have to be able to translate your leg speed and power, speed, strength, power into yeah. launching an object from your body. So actually the, the foundation was, like you said, strength, power, and speed. Um, the what... And also, and also the speed, I think the speed is, um, is a combination. It's like, you have to learn to be, you have to get really good at the skill. Like you have to be, you either got, you've either got really fast muscles or you've got a super like fine tuned skill. Yeah. Um, or both. And it (laughs) seems. We, we, we had both, right? (laughs) And, uh, I'm probably right. I'm probably right in thinking this now that, um, Muscle, speed, strength, and power, you can train for a lot faster than a skill. Like a skill takes, I mean, there's all this, the 10,000 hours, yeah. 10,000 times is, is thrown around probably too much because I think yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's not that. It's, but like, you're right. It, it takes a long time. And we didn't have a long time. I had four years. Yeah. So we couldn't become elite at a skill. Like we couldn't become an elite runner because we just didn't have enough repetitions that we could have done. Yeah, uh, it, like, it was it was physically impossible in the time we had to do enough repetitions to become very good at. It. But we could become okay at the skill and become really strong and really powerful. Yeah, um, and then the skill just has to translate that enough to get some results across the ten events. Um, and that was the thought process. It was like, well, we're not going to get really good at ten events. We're going to get really strong and powerful legs um, and mobile legs, which I think we both struggled with. Um, yeah, and then we just need to learn the skill at the same time. But the skill was uh, was probably harder than we could have anticipated, I think. 
Yeah, it, it was kind of like we got those newbie gains and then it was like a massive, I remember an enormous plateau with throws for me. But anyway, like like you said, you concluded effectively, we had the opportunity to develop power, not necessarily develop a skill thoroughly enough. And that was the end goal. We had a, a lot of yeah. opportunities. I think we should have taken a Lauren Seagrove's um, offer. Yeah. I think we uh, we 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 could have gone up and we could have gone way more out of our way to coach to train with coaches and with other other groups of people training. Yeah. Um and I I think that was probably because it was with our work it was difficult to travel uh long distances to train and it, like even even 45 minutes to an hour. We were we were literally fitting sessions in in the morning at what 6 a.m. 5:30 a.m. 5 a.m. and then I was getting the train to Birmingham. You were getting in your car, driving to London. Um, like we were training as, as our lives permitted. I mean, if we were truly going for the cause, we would have given up our jobs. We would have started camping in the middle of Tudor Tudor yeah. track, and we would have just trained there all the time. And then we would have like cycled to to clubs every day and trained with coaches. Yeah. Like that's well, thinking back, like that's what we would have done. We'd have designed our lives around around yeah. it um and just the the coaches at Tudor Grange weren't there the, the clubs weren't like the, we were we were adults I was an adult that wasn't very good at athletics like we, you don't we want knew to go more than to... the, the coaches that are available to us other than Tom Tellers and Lauren Seagrave who gave yeah. us those opportunities I feel yeah that was amazing that uh that sprint conference we went to with Tom Tellers and we were sprinting sprinting up and down the uh and they were trying to get him to stop. I'm like, oh, Tom, we we need to uh, we need to pack up now. It's like, oh, well, we'll just do two more sprints <laughs> in in the conference room. <laughs> so, so Tom Tellers is um, or was Carl Lewis's coach, sprint coach. Was Carl Lewis, wasn't it? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, yeah. Carl Lewis's sprint coach. Um, I'm at a European speed and jumps um, conference get to the desk and they basically say the spare seats, um, anyone can buy one. And it's luckily, it's really local. It's in Coventry. Text Phil saying, I'm at this. Do you want to come? Pulls up. Did did something happen with it? Because you bought it on the day and they still had something left over. You actually got it for five quid cheaper or something like that. Yeah, I can't remember. It wasn't very expensive anyway. I remember. Well, I was furious. (laughs) 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 Um... And I actually, they actually paid me to come in. <laughs> <laughs> we hear you about Decathlete. <laughs> he throws the discus out of the back of their house. <laughs> but for 40 metres, that's impressive. People laughed at Dick Fosbury. <laughs> they sure did. But he actually went on to jump really high. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Well, we just didn't give it enough time. <laughs> actually, we threw, a disc- we threw a discus so far, we lost it. <laughs> yeah. Um, so at this conference, really good conference. Learn. I remember learning loads. I remember being suspect of one guy's methods, and I think you were as well. Um, but Tom Tellers was there delivering, and his his presentations were quite funny, weren't they? And I remember we spoke to Lawrence Seagrave at lunch, and he was really cool. Offered us the so Lawrence Seagrave was he the most decorated Olympic coach of all time, or? Something that had the most NFL players and Olympic medals associated in different sports. Something amazing like that. Yeah. And he basically offered the opportunity for us to go out to California, I think it might have been, 
and train train with him, which we turned down. But I still, uh, like, I mean, we in. <laughs> we only we only turned it down because uh, we ha- we would have had to take a couple Walk of out. weeks off off work <laughs> yeah. and spend all of the money to get there. Yeah. Um, Otherwise, it would be which, great. Which like, it didn't. Like, and, and again, if you just spent four years training before that and you were already good you'd have jumped at that yeah. kind of investment. But for us, really, the only investment we were willing to make was... Uh, we, we spent a bit of money, but the investment yeah. we were making was our time. Yeah. And the time was a lot. We we gave a lot yeah. to the, the training. But that evening, there was, um, there was a dinner in the conference hall, massive conference hall. Um, must have been like 30, 40 metres long, 30 metres long? About 30 metres, I reckon. Um, and... I think we had we spoken to Tom earlier, and yeah, we spoke to him about shot put. I remember we spoke to him about shot put, and then we were on a table with an. Was, this, was this on? Was that was that on stage? We actually went up afterwards to speak yeah. to him, and then I think you asked the question because um, I was too scared, and then uh, and then you t- you told him what we were doing. And in fact, you asked. I think you asked. You told him what we were doing, and you asked him if it was possible. And he was he like, said, yeah. He was like, yeah. Do you remember yeah. he went, yeah, I've done it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we're like, oh. Oh, should we, uh, should we stop now, Phil? <laughs> should we get a burger? <laughs> we just wanted to know if we could do it. We didn't actually want to, <laughs> to, to do it. So, yeah, I think we'd spoken to him earlier and something happened that evening when he was like, yeah, let's or you're those guys that are doing this or something like that. And he requested I think, them. I think we, went over, we went over to speak to him again, didn't we? I think you, you had another question for him or we, we asked him something and that about that? sprinting. Like asking questions. What's that? You always liked it. I've always liked asking questions. Um, I, yeah, I think, I think it came from that. Well, that's what I remember anyway. I remember, yeah, we yeah. were talking to that S&C coach. Was he, was he in hockey? I thought it was football. I can't remember. I can't remember what. I can't remember what sport he was. But yeah, and then moved all these tables to. Well, he requested that they move all these tables out of the way. We took. I think did we take our shoes off or something like that? I'm in jeans. I just remember I was in jeans and a shirt. Yeah, and um, then gets us doing like an hour of sprint reps and technique in this conference hall. People start joining in with us, and. I remember I clinch onto this. I hold this point close to my heart and will forever say this as a coach, but Tom Tellers said I had good running form. <laughs> <laughs> I remember being like, yes, you might be faster than me, Phil, but <laughs> what's the I actual... Remember, I, remember, I remember him shout, shouting pointers like, like leaning forwards and uh, drive the arms. Uh, yeah, arms, he was like... Speed comes. Speed comes from arms. Power comes from legs. Uh, but the, the the one thing that was really ingrained in me was that he kept just shouting to people that he thought <laughs> he'd just go, "Yes, you've got fast twitch muscle fibers. Yes, you've got." And then for someone else, he'd just be like, "I'm not sure you've got it." <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, I he was talking about someone's DNA. <laughs> like what? Yeah. Like oh, well, you can't become fast now because you. No, I'm sorry. I don't think you've got enough fast twitch muscle fibers. He was literally so blunt, wasn't he? Yeah, but we were fine. We both had fast he liked us. muscle fibers, so we were good. He made me. Re- it made me think of Dave, our coach, and Nick from college basketball. In yeah. terms of no, <laughs> yeah, can't coach you. <laughs> yeah, 
you're you're lost. It was a strange mindset that we were that we were going through because it was like, uh, for me, I just actually wanted to see what it felt like to train uh, as a full time like, athlete and go through it because I'd never really done it. I wanted to feel what it was like to do it, so I wanted to try and get into that mindset. And to get into that mindset, we had to tell we had to tell each other and ourselves that we were definitely going to make the Olympics in four years. Yeah. Otherwise, like, what what was the what was the point? And we had to tell other people that, which made other people think we were idiots. And obviously, they were proved proved right. And obviously, it came up in my brother's best man speech last year. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but we had to we had to tell ourselves that. And we had to. I was trying to learn what that mindset was to become really good at something. Um, and we, I think, we did that really well for the first for the first eighteen months. We were amazing at it, and we. We were we were fully committed to putting the time in, putting the effort in. Uh, we worked like super hard. We knew. I then I now knew. I now know what it's like to. Well, I now think I know what it feels like to achieve yeah. something. Like to achieve something really good, you've got to put all of your time into it, and you've got to work like fucking hard. Um, and that's I think that's why what, what I learned from it is just if you want something, um, you need to be thinking about it. 24 7 i had my i had my goals i printed i remember printing them off each each event i had them on my wall i had a piece of a4 paper with my next target on my wall every morning i'd wake up and look at it i think i i I kind of read about that beforehand like you have to think about this i read i read the secret and you the secret is like you have to you have to basically think about something for it to happen I remember thinking, oh, that kind of makes sense. Like, if I want to pick up my phone, I have to think about picking my phone up, at least subconsciously, or that I want to do yeah. it to pick it up. Yeah. Like, I think it's the same with wanting to get to the Olympics. Like, you have to think about getting to the Olympics. Otherwise, you're not going to get to the Olympics unless someone else is thinking about it for you. But no one else is thinking about it for us. Right. We're right. like, right, I'm going to get to the Olympics. Um, and you have to think about it every day and you have to believe it's going to happen every day. If you don't believe it's going to happen, then each each second you spend working towards it isn't going to be very good. Even if you get into that habit of going to training, are we get, we're at training, but if you don't believe you're going to do it, your mindset's down. Are you going um, to promotions or are you actually committing? Yeah, and you have to you have to do that for years. And I think you probably could do it in four years if you spent four years doing that. Um, but you have to be in that mindset for like twenty four seven. And and actually watching the last dance recently with Michael Jordan just again was like, well, this is this is the winning mindset. Like yeah. forget about forget about his leadership skills, which I know were like amazing leadership skills. It's just he want he wanted to win. And he knew what it he knew what it took to win. He knew that he had to become a leader to win. He knew that he he didn't care. He wanted to win so much that he didn't care if people hated him. Um, which yeah. is the, that's like that's like the key. I've always been a person. I like have this need for people to like me. Like probably a lot of people. Yeah, <laughs> so I think most people more, have that. A normal personality, but Michael Jordan wanted to win so much that he didn't give a shit if people hated him, if his friends hated him, if his teammates hated him, um, if his family hated him. He was like, "Well, this I know. I know this is what it's going to take to win. Uh, so this is what we're going to do." And I'm I'm and I'm a great leader. And I, and I, I can, 
I'm going to get you to do it as well, even if you don't want to do it. So he, he had like, he was the winner and he had the mindset 24 seven, but then he was the leader that put that mindset into everyone else when they didn't want to do it. When Scotty Pippen didn't want to do it, when Dennis Roman didn't want to do it, he was like, you're going to do it because I want to win. Yeah. And it, it was intricate because obviously there's been loads of controversy since we first discussed Last Dance. So many people saying this isn't what happened and it was tailored by Michael and stuff like that. But I think if you yeah. remove aspects of the story and focus on what you've just said in terms of his drive and his commitment to achieving greatness in a sport or in any skill, to be honest. Yeah. I think that teaches a lot of in terms of actually just need need to be the thing you want to be. You have to yeah. live it. Yeah, you have to you have to be thinking about it all the time, uh, like constantly. You have to be laser focused on what you want to achieve, and you need to believe that it's possible. Um, like it's re- it was really, I think enough in the first year we definitely believed we were going to make the Olympics. We were like, we think it's possible. In the second year, we've kind of, I don't know, 80% there. And then it towards the end of the LRC, we're like, well, we're, I'm 50-50. And I'm not going to gamble 50-50 for the yeah. rest of my life. Yeah. Um, but you, you have to, you have to want, you have to be able to imagine how you're going to get to this end point. Like how Michael Jordan had to imagine that he could win the championship. He was like, he's, he's imagined it. He's thought it in his head. He's like, he's been creative enough to think, yeah, this is, this is where I want to be. I've gone back and I, he's worked backwards and gone, right, this is, this is how I'm going to get there. I need to make sure I get everyone else there at the same time because I yeah. can't do this on my own at a certain point. I thought of this. Um, and he's up to then every day he's stuck to it and going, yes, this is how I'm going to do it because every day he wants to win that championship. It's, it was, it was unbelievable. I don't, I don't really care in terms of how much of it was a bit of spin but it was yeah. unbelievable to see him talk and try and get an understanding for his mindset. Like he really didn't care, did he? He didn't no. care upsetting anyone. Yeah. yeah. And I think, um, so I also read uh, Phil Jackson's book, 11 Rings. Like I yes. was reading it at the same time. Um, so I had this other, I had Phil Jackson's point of view as well. So I kind of feel like it, and he was exactly the same. He actually, when he came in, they won it in their first year, I think. Yeah, in Phil yeah. Jackson's first year of coaching. Yeah. Um, and he basically told Michael, like, you have to, you can't take over games. You have to, you have to get everyone else and join the triangle offense. The triangle offense yeah, is the key. I remember. You can't just take shots. You need to, everyone needs to be open because if, um, even if you're not going to give them the ball for them to take a shot, people need to think that they're going to take a shot yeah. so that they can go and be. So, uh, and he managed to convince Jordan that that was the way to do it and he obviously had this great leader that he believed in and was like ah oh, okay and he could follow them but yeah and I, I I think in the in the book what I got across from actually from the Lakers story was that um when they won their first championship Shaq and Kobe um Shaq actually just relaxed I think he put a load of weight in the off season because they won their first one and actually he'd only been thinking about constantly for like your entire career, you think about winning the NBA championship. Then you win it. You're like, oh, well, I've won it. But Kobe was different. Kobe was like, well, I want to win. I want to beat Jordan. So I want to yeah. win seven. Um, so he was already thinking about the next one. He came out ready for the second championship. But Shaq was like, come on, man. I, I think I've seen an interview of him actually really? saying this. Don't quote me on that. But I think I've seen an interview of him saying, come on, come on, man. I don't, 
and we've just won one. Let's just relax a bit. Um, Man. That's a, and that's the fear I got from the book. And then that's why I think it's so great about Jordan and Kobe is that they, they set their sights on winning the NBA championship. And they're like, actually, but actually, probably they did it. They were like, no, I want to be the best of all time. And that means I've yeah. got to win multiple championships. I've got to win as many as I can. Uh, well, I, re- I remember us speaking to Paul Hibbert and him saying because he missed out on two Olympic teams by one place. And he said the reason he missed out on the Olympic place, both of those occasions, was that he said he wanted to make the Olympics instead of, I wanted to win gold at the Olympics. He was like, if I'd said that I won gold at the Olympics, I'd have made the Olympics. But instead I aimed Because he was reaching. Yeah, (laughs) because you're always going to, you're probably going to fall a bit short. Yeah. So yeah, Kobe fell short of winning as many championships as Jordan. Jordan didn't win as many championships as Bill Russell. So I guess I mean, everyone everyone falls short. Yeah. How many has LeBron got? Three. Three goals. He is, but he also won it with two different teams. And like that Cavs team that he won the championship with. Because I think people forget that like, he had Kyrie Irving, but I'm pretty sure Kyrie Irving was injured in the finals. Or at least, or at least, uh, he became injured in like game ah, three or right. something, and so I think he actually closed the championship without him. I think, but that team is just insane, and you you see him. Well, they they got to the finals how many times? Like six times in six years in that with that Cavs team. The year he leaves, they're like the second worst team. Yeah, uh, he still gets to the finals without Kyrie. The player is amazing. The the guy is absolutely amazing. He's just making it. And I think and um, the same thing about leadership, uh, like knowing knowing that he needs to make his teammates better. I've seen the I've seen an interview with LeBron when he was like sixteen, and they ask oh. him. It's really famous actually. I think they ask him about pressure. Oh, do you feel pressure? Because he's a sixteen year old kid. He's about to go into the NBA draft. He's like. Nah, I don't feel like I've been having pressure since I was like eight eight years old or something. Uh, and he's known since he was young that he couldn't do everything himself and he needed to pick pick his teammates up. He's known that for a long time, whether he learned that from his coaches, whether he learned it from watching Michael Jordan and Kobe as they picked their teammates up. But yeah, he's wow. a fantastic. I think he's a fantastic like, on-court leader training leader he's like having a second coach on your team yeah, uh, yeah who's yeah. also the, who's also the, the best player in the world you you need that combination i think i think in terms of team sport but actually just training groups you need one person that stands out who will um convey the message that the coach wants in a, a manner which the team understand or you do a training group understand and it's sometimes yeah. maybe a more emotive message yeah yeah, no, definitely. Yeah, because it comes from someone who's who's doing it. Yeah, um, I suppose it's that association thing, isn't it? Yeah, and that's that's one thing I didn't really, I, I didn't really think about it until I don't know, maybe five or six years ago. Didn't really think about this like team sport leadership. Yeah, and I'd led teams and basketball teams. I've been captains of teams. Yeah, I'd coached. I'd I've coached basketball teams. I just thought it was the coach's job to lead, and that. And actually, when I was playing, I didn't really, I didn't really think about winning that much because I just wanted to play. Yeah, and it, it shows in so like some of the we, I mean, we 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 won a few games. Like at college, we didn't win that many games. At university, we 
we were like an okay team, but we weren't the best team. We got promoted one year, but um, we didn't really, I don't remember thinking, oh, I want to win every game because I want to win this league. Uh, well, when I was playing oh, football, funny, I, just wanted, I just wanted to play football. I think no one really, before each game, it was just like, it felt like it didn't need to be said. Like, of course we're going to play football and we're going to win. Or we're going to try yeah. and win. But actually, it needs to be said. That's that winning uh, mindset, isn't it? That's what yeah, differentiates. Yeah, yeah. And that's uh, that's one thing I think. Uh, I think it can be taught. You just, you just need to be reminded every time that you, you want to win. Yeah. Why you want to win. Why it's important. Surround yourself with people and images and yeah. tangible things that you can associate with that. Yeah. So, so fast forwarding them because we've we've moved through Decathlon, touched on Last Dance, which is definitely a documentary. I think everyone should watch, whether or not the accuracy can be kind of questioned. Um, yeah, and, even, and even if you don't like basketball, I've had friends that hate hate basketball and hate the NBA, and have loved the documentary. So it's amazing, isn't it? The way it's filmed. It. Yeah, yeah. It also made, well done, yeah. made me pick up a um, a glass of bourbon or scotch every Monday night. <laughs> And smoke six six cigars while you're <laughs> yeah. watching it. <laughs> yeah, I didn't go that far, but <laughs> well, I was like, I'm just like Mike. <laughs> I'm not influenced by the TV. <laughs> the new, the new, the new like Mike advert. <laughs> <laughs> Cool. I think it's at this point we should really cut. We've been speaking for like an hour and a half, Phil. Um, so whilst you're looking for Villa's next fixture to stay above the relegation zone, um, we've discussed mindset. We've discussed how our mission, um, Dream Decathlon mission, kind of opened up our eyes and made us think a little bit more about the necessary mindset. Um, and you really interestingly brought up the last dance, Michael, Jack- uh, Michael Jackson's last dance. <laughs> That's something else. <laughs> That's staying in. <laughs> brought up Michael Jordan's last dance. No, last chance. Why am I calling it the last dance? Isn't that a 90s it hip-hop last, film? It is. No, it is last dance. It, yeah. The last dance. No, it is, yeah. Yeah. Man, I'm it all is. over the place. Right. That is, that's that's what they called the, the season. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Um, so we, we are touching on mindset. I would love to hear your thoughts. If we get you back and to discuss... Um, habits and as a busy professional now training and how you fit in training and how you maximize your opportunities really so yeah sounds good to me yeah yeah yeah. i'm in ace thanks very much for joining us phil everyone thank you very much for listening to or watching the performance physique podcast you can catch us on instagram at performance underscore physique phil make sure you look in that right now type it in and Follow us on Facebook, just type in Performance Physique or head to our website, www.performancephysique.co.uk. Thank you very much for watching. I'm out. Cheers, Phil. Thanks. Bye. Hey, I just want to quickly jump in here. Thanks very much for watching and listening to this first episode of season two. Remember to follow us on social media. If you have any questions, drop us a direct message or email info at performancephysique.co.uk. Take care.